What is going on? This is Jake Hofer, and welcome to the Land Podcast. This week, we have a great guest, Jared Van Hees, who is the owner of the Habitat Podcast and Vitalized Seed. And he's been on the show before. We recorded with him last summer about his 15 acres in Michigan. And he shot two big bucks off that Michigan parcel that we talked about last time. And now he has since bought a new farm in northern Michigan. And what's very interesting about this is that it was in a conservation conservation easement. And he went through the entire process and learned what you can do, what you can't do. And just a really good conversation. I think listening to this, you will be more prepared the next time you see a screaming deal show up on whatever land website you're looking at. And then you see it is a, uh, that there's a conservation easement and then you kind of get sad, but <laughs> rest assured, there's some, there's some good things about it. And we get to hear about all that with Jared here today. Before we get into the episode, actually we have quite a bit of announcements here today. First one being Exodus turned seven years old, and that means we have our seven-year anniversary sale, and it is live right now. If you are somebody that's been following Exodus over the last seven years, and or maybe you're new to what we're doing here, but if you've been hung up on trying one of our reliable, dependable, and borderline bulletproof trail cameras, we have an awesome deal going on right now. Until June 13th, you can use the code YEAR7, that's the word YEAR, the number 7, to save 20% off the entire Exodus website. That includes the borderline bulletproof Exodus render, any render bundle, the SP18 solar panel, and new merchandise that we have coming to the website very soon while this is up and rolling. In case you are not familiar with the product line, the Exodus render is the Verizon 4G LTE camera that provides some of the fastest transmission times in the entire industry. And on top of that, it is the about the most user-friendly camera you can have, and it works when it matters most. Also, if you are not familiar with the Exodus Advantage, let me just tell you these three things. Five-year, no BS warranty, five-year theft and damage coverage, and best-in-class customer service. So now is the time to try one of these Exodus renders if you haven't done so already, and it's a great way to show support for this podcast or Exodus. So over the last seven years, we have consistently shown that we build quality products that flat out work, and we are actually really excited to announce some more things very soon. So head over to the website, sign up for the newsletter if you want to learn what we have going on beyond this sale, and take advantage of this. This is live for the first 300 cameras, so be sure to take advantage of that if you need more reliable cell cameras before deer season. If you've been listening to this podcast here for a little bit, you know that the goal of this show is to help 100 people buy their first piece of ground and we are plugging away faster than i could ever imagine so i just want to say thank you to everyone that's been reaching out and making a point to say hey this has helped and i've personally been helping people i've been referring folks to really great agents to where they're looking and that is all really rewarding so if you want to be one of those 100 people a couple ways to do it first one if you're in the state of illinois i can help you reach out if you are looking in a different area i can get you connected with a great agent that will take you under their wing walk you through the process um, and someone that i would personally trust uh, myself in a transaction and then the last one is if you simply learn something on this podcast that you found valuable reach out let me know i want to add you to the spreadsheet also we are getting ready to send out that first email with a special resource or really special information that you will only get through the email. Head over to the link tree, sign up for that. That is going out this month and you're gonna want to read that. I think that takes care of everything for this episode. Hope you guys really enjoy it. I know I did with Jared. Let's get right into it. Here we go. 
Jared, how's it going today? Thanks for thanks for hopping on the Land Podcast again. Hey, anytime, Jake. I'm doing well. How are you today? Good. Busy week. Uh, we just had uh, Chad and Cameron here uh, in Illinois recording a bunch of stuff for Exodus. We have a lot of exciting products, uh, you know, coming to market projects, uh, new story video, new website coming soon. Basically, just a ton of stuff. And so uh, it's good to uh, record a little bit here today. So um, last, last time we spoke, I think it was last summer, uh, talked about your Michigan parcel, the 15 acre one. And you shot two big bucks there this past year too, which is cool to hear the front end of it, how you've improved it, why you bought it. And then, oh, wow. Okay. This all makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> so, so how, uh, I know we talked a little bit about on the, the Exodus podcast, but for anyone who um, didn't catch the first episode or haven't caught the episodes of the Exodus, take a second, introduce yourself and uh, go from there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me back on. It's great to be here. Uh, my name is Jared Van Heese. I am the owner and, and host of Habitat podcast. Um, we All we talk about is improving your recreational land for better hunting and wildlife. Um, and then I also am co-owner of Vitalize Seed Company. It's a brand new food plot seed company we started this year in April. And um, it's a very simple spring mix and a fall mix that kind of go together and feed off of each other, improving your soil health, growing big antlers, getting rid of fertilizer over time, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, just an entrepreneur, a family man, uh, live in Michigan and, um, yeah, happy to be here. So I had a good, good fall last yeah, fall. We talked fall. about, we were just down at the Exodus studio about last month or the month before with you guys. And, um, mm-hmm. got that episode of trail cam radio where I got those two bucks on my 15 acres. That was awesome. Um, so yeah, now just, just working hard, you know, May and, and April and March are all very busy for, habitat managers. Um, so, you know, we've, we had to bounce around and get this a good time where we could get together and record, uh, basically due to us being busy, but yeah, I, I do appreciate that. So well, thank you. Yeah. My pleasure, man. I, I had the privilege of being on your guys' show. I think it was last year as well. And I know there's been multiple people that have made a point to reach out and said, Hey, we found you because of your podcast. So I just want to say thanks for, awesome. thanks for that. And you have, uh, you guys do a really great job and I think, uh, serve a very specific market and educate a lot of people and resonate, uh, with, with all those folks, because, um, you know, from working with you guys on an Exodus standpoint, like, you know, ha- happy, to, happy to know you, happy to work with you, but this, this is about a par a farm that you guys, or you bought in Northern Michigan. It's called the Northern 70. And it was, uh, former nature con- uh, conservancy, correct? Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, I wish I had a, you know, better, better at naming properties, but the Northern 70 is kind of what's stuck and, and I don't mind it. So we're calling yeah. it the Northern 70. It's way up in the tip of the mitt, uh, almost to Mackinac bridge, um, way up there. And it was previous, we bought it from a nature conservancy. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. So how'd you, was it listed for sale or, I mean, cause that, that, I have, a, I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> so first off, were you, were you looking for another farmer? Did this one just kind of jump out to you? No. Yeah. Um, looking for another farm more of, so in Michigan, we always, we, we have what we call going up North, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody in the weekend likes to go up North and that could be anywhere North of the center of the state. Really. Um, it's just, it's gorgeous. Northern Michigan's gorgeous. Uh, you, you can ski up there. You can golf up there. You can hunt. There's so much state land around. So basically, 
we wanted some sort of family retreat where, you know, dad's not gone all fall, you know, by himself somewhere. Let's, let's bring the whole family up to a, a property. Let's make it our, our base camp. Um, and we'll have kind of a, a hunting cabin up there, maybe do Thanksgiving up there, that sort of thing. So that's kind of where the idea started. Um, didn't really have a specific area in mind, but we looked at a lot of different places, a lot of different farms and ended up that the area we liked, we kind of, we kind of honed in there. Um, there's some skiing nearby and there's a lot of trails for snowmobiles and ATVs, that sort of thing. So it worked out in a, in a pretty good area. And we just ended up trying to stick around that area for, for more than a hunting purpose, you know, something my wife can go do something she'd like or, or whatever. Right. There's more, there's more purposes to this piece of property. Multi-use in a lot of ways. Exactly. Our own quote unquote family deer camp uh, mm -hmm. slash, you know, getaway that you can spend more time with the family instead of me just out and about, you know? Yeah, for sure. So um, what, I guess, how long were you looking um, about, let's see, it's about six months, very, very expensive these days, uh, for the most part. And we, we wanted some timber value too, in terms of something to, to manage over the next, you know, 40 years, it'd be nice to have a little return on your investment. Um, so yeah, probably about six months, probably looked at about a dozen or, or 15 or so property. Mm -hmm. All in the Northern part of the state. Yes, sir. Yep. <clears throat> so it's crazy because you have when I think Michigan to buy more ground in Michigan as a as this a whitetail guy, it's crazy to me a little bit. But I I know uh, I talked to Kevin uh, from the Deer Hunter podcast as well, and he just bought a very similar type property like up north family property. So it's cool to hear and learn about how rich the tradition is for Michigan deer camp. I mean that that outweighs you know chasing quote unquote bigger deer, which is really cool. So something that's really cool to me is when, when people are looking to buy a piece of recreational ground and maybe they're in Michigan or a state that doesn't have necessarily as high trophic quality as, as other states to still go in and buy more ground in, in that state just shows how rich the hunting heritage is and the culture and how important it is to have deer camp with family is, is really cool to see. I know um, <clears throat> Kevin from the deer hunter podcast, I think it just did something very similar. And so Obviously, you guys are ate up by deer hunting, but beyond that, it's all the intangible things beyond chasing bigger deer, which is cool. You are not kidding. You hit the nail on the head. Um, why would you spend money and go further north where the deer get smaller in terms of rack size? Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's okay. You know, there's November 15th is our opening day of rifle. It's our deer camp every year. I don't miss it. I, um, I skip states like Illinois and Ohio and everywhere else. And I drive back to Michigan to hunt again. It's very important. And uh, yeah, that's just what we wanted was that, that family deer camp, get my kids into it, that whole thing. And the tradition is very rich. Um, we just, we love it. It's so beautiful up there, but you're right. It doesn't mean to say I won't own land in another state in the future to chase those big bucks because I obviously love doing that. But um Right now, yeah, we're we're up there. The snow is deep, and the cornfields are not very plentiful. And you know, it's it's, it's kind of an uphill battle. Um, but it's be fun. It's kind of makes it, yeah. part, part of the challenge too. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge for sure. So when you was this listed, just like on uh, you know the online syndicates like Realtor.com, uh, Landwatch, or did you hear about this deal somehow some other way? Um, it was on. Oh shoot! It was on one of the 
syndicate like like the normal Michigan that the realtors okay. would send you the yeah. emails for, um, okay. for lack of a better description. Yeah, I found it by driving around. I saw the sign on the side of the road. We were up on a family camping trip, uh-huh. and I I went for a spin, just seeing it. It had been for sale for about a month and a half. And as you know, right now in this market, a month and a half is like a long a time. Long time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you know, as as how I found it, I was just driving driving by um, that day. So, do you guys did you guys go up there and camp all the time, or was this a one time camping trip and you guys just like the area, or what brought you that originally to, to take a little family trip? Yeah, we we camp a lot. Um, we do a like a two week camping trip every fall five spots in, in the state of Michigan or the upper peninsula. Um, this was like spot number three on the trip and um, just happened to randomly be there. And I was kind of in the area we'd been looking around in and um, but you know, there's, there wasn't much for sale. Some of the listings I, I was being sent would be sold very quickly um, or were just, you know, astronomically priced. So uh, this one was a 70 acre parcel and it's, it was, a manageable price. So mm-hmm. I was like, and it's still for sale. You know, I'm like, what's wrong with this piece here? So, yeah. So, so you found the parcel. So this walked me through what was next. Did you, were you working with a, an agent there in Michigan or did you just call the, the number on the sign? I called the number on the sign um, because all these different agents have pocket listings here, pocket listings there. You never know uh, who might come up with what. So I didn't have anybody really working too hard for me. Um, mm-hmm. so I was just doing it myself. And so I called him and, and he had the listing right there from a local conservancy. Mm. So obviously that impacts the, the, the price of some sort. So walk us through what that even means. Cause a lot of times too, and I think it's a very similar whenever I see a listing and I'm like, man, that seems like that seems pretty darn cheap. And it's usually something along these lines where, uh, you know, there might be some sort of restriction or something, something different, but what, what, what does that mean? So like, okay, what does yeah. that mean to people? Yeah. So most people see, okay. The good price, they see a parcel. Okay. It's been for sale. Why is it still for sale? Well, this is, it was enrolled in what's called a conservation easement. So what these, what these conservancies do, we have one local here near Ann Arbor. Um, they they buy up properties or they take property on donation. They enroll it into an easement so it can never be built on, developed, um, you know, stripped like a gravel mine, whatever. And then they either keep them in the easement or an offer for like public use, like a park or something, or they'll sell them. Um, in this case, they had been, they had bought the property. It was in one of their areas that fit some of their criteria. And they saw this property for sale. They bought it like two months before we did. Mm. And they put the easement on it and then put it for sale. So most people, when they see a conservation easement on a property, think, oh, no. And I, I did, too. And it's like, what am I not allowed to do? I don't want I don't want the government telling me what to do. You know, all that, uh, which I don't. So I'm like, what can I, can I not do here? So it's like a 40 page easement, right? Wow. And it's like, oh boy, I don't, I don't know if I want this headache or not. Um, that's kind of where it started. Uh, for lack of other listings in the area, I had more 
apt to consider it, right? Um, so I started digging in and, and realized uh, there were a bunch of things that you can and cannot do on the property. So what are some of those things that you cannot do? So all but four and a half or five acres is part of the easement. They left out like five acres, call it excluded to, you know, build a house or a barn or, or do whatever you want on camp on. So that was, that was nice um, to have that, but everything else you, you can't really, you can't go in there and start cutting down trees. You can't go in there and dig a pond. You can't, I mean, you can, you can go through there and and ride your ATV around. You can go deer hunting in there all you want. You can, um, recreate on it but when it comes to altering the land uh they did not want any of that to happen and then development up there development is a huge thing they did not want any of this property to be turned into another 40 acre parcel that was split off into 22 acre sections and sold and you know that that's their main that is is development and then protecting natural things like the water um, there's a waterway through there that they want to protect. Yeah. I was going to ask if this was an area at, at risk, you know, usually water is one of the big ones yep. or a specific type of terrain or a different type of vegetation or special type of trees. So, I mean, that, to me, that's as a guy that likes habitat, likes wildlife, those are all great things to have. Uh, if, if you have a property that's worth protecting, that probably means it's something special there. Right. And there's some, you know, erosion was another one that they want to protect. There's some steep slopes in that area of the state and they want to protect erosion. So it's really as somebody like me who cares about the land and like you who cares about the land that we work on and spend our money on and, and hunt on. And I'm also kind of okay with keeping those stuff, you know, keeping that stuff clean and healthy mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. So I was like, okay, I'm not too turned off yet by all this. Um, and were you doing your own due diligence here or was your, was that agent helping you or what did that look like? Were you up there calling, you know, reading through that 40 page document or was that being relayed from to you from the agent? Yeah. So he sent it to me. Um, and I read it top to bottom, front to back. So, and then I had questions and, and everything else. So what was interesting was, you know, there, you, you can put deer blinds on the property, but you can only put four permanent, you know, post hole type blinds in the ground. Um, for the 70. So that's kind of like, I was like, Hmm, that's kind of weird. But you can, you know, you can put as many tree stands and ground blinds as you want. You just can't like cement them into the ground, like a very permanent structure. They call them permanent structures. Um, certain rules like that. So I had all kinds of questions and what was nice about it. I, so they have all their, their wants and their demands, if you will, in this easement and they're, they own the property. So it's going to go like this. And then I had a bunch of wants and needs too, that I needed met before I was going to place an offer or I should say contingent with my offer. Mm-hmm. So how long did that process look like? Like this due diligence process where you're, you're sifting through all that information and trying to see if this property will meet your family needs. Yeah, probably a few weeks. Um, yeah. You know, nothing too crazy. Just it's a lot of, you know, jargon and, and terminology that I don't normally see and read. And, you know, if, conservation easement 40 pages there's all kinds of big terms in there that sound scary and you know litigation attached to them and that sort of thing so it's just about getting to the bottom of it and being able to ask them the right questions and 
And then, like I said, most guys, when they see a conservation easement, go, nope. Yep. Yeah. I don't even want this property. Move on. And that's probably why it was still for sale, to be honest with you. Yeah. Many people um, were just don't want to deal with it. Well, the cool thing how they had it set up was you're still able to build a house or put up a camp or do something on that four or five acres. That was really very wise of them. So explain yeah. to me too, you know, they bought that two years or two months ago or prior to you buying it, they bought it, you know, a few months before. Was it like a nonprofit that it, it was it a nonprofit group? Was it an investor? Was it this environmentalist that, you know, how, did they just lose money on it? Like to me, I'm just trying yeah. to wrap my mind around, wrap my mind around it. No, you're good. Um, it's a nonprofit and they, I think they bought it for like, I want to say like two thirty, mm-hmm. um, and then we ended up getting it for two fifty. So it's like they made some money on it in mm-hmm. a couple of months, some good money for two months of of holding it, not doing much. But yeah. um, with that, you know their their goal is to put these easements in place, and if they can put another seventy acres under their umbrella of easement, that's their goal. Um, if they can protect another. 5,000 acres this year. That's their goal. Um, there are investors, I believe, in these conservancies. I'm not sure if it's a way for these real rich folk to write off money or, or what they do, but I know that um, that there is, follow the money every time, right? So like, just you know, let's be real and figure out why people are doing this. I know it's to protect the land and, and environmentalism, but um, there's also, you know, fiscal reasons people do these type of things. So but for, for as far as us, you know, they didn't lose money on it. They didn't make very much money on it. They were kind of um, apprehensive at my at my deal, at my negotiation, and my offer, because it probably wasn't with as great as they'd hoped. But um, they checked their box of, of putting another property in an easement. They checked their box of being profitable. And they checked their box of selling it to somebody who is like-minded and not going to try to be a huge pain in their, their butt for the next, you know, 40 years. So... When you go and make these improvements, do they have to? Are they monitoring it? Because I assume the con- the conservation easements recorded to the deed, correct? It is co- recorded to the deed, and they monitor it one time a year, unexpected. Okay, so they just go. So they're sending someone from their nonprofit out to go out and like, oh, yep, he's doing things he said he would. Exactly, and what they did in the very beginning, they did what's called a baseline document, where they walked around and took like 150 pictures from all these different points on the property, yeah. and now they know. If Jared goes down and, and builds a pond, oh, that pond wasn't, oh, yeah, it was. The pond was there. No, it wasn't. So they, <laughs> they have their though. ways. Yeah, it makes it easy. And um, and it's not, we haven't even got to the fun stuff yet. Like I was able to negotiate all kinds of things in my favor into this easement, which I think a lot of people don't even know that you can do. Yeah, let's talk about that. So they, the only time you can cut trees is if you get an approved forester get a plan written, they'll, they'll trust and approve foresters recommendations over, over theirs, right? They're, they're not foresters. They're not, um, they didn't go to school for that. So like, they'll take advice from other places and let you log your woods. You have to have a plan in place. Now there was no, um, we, we call them wildlife cuts or, or even food plots, uh, in the easement. So I, me, I'm thinking I need, I need food. It's in an area where there's a lot of timber. So that was one of my negotiations. I, I put in, I think if I remember, I'm allowed to put like seven acres of food. So 10% was my goal on that. Mm-hmm. Um, 10% of the property and food. And um, 
wildlife clearings where we just go and take the trees down and open up the canopy. You, I mean, we talk about that on your podcast. Mm-hmm. You'll hear me talk about that all the time. Just improve for wildlife habitat. And so I had, I tried to ask for more deer blinds. I, tr- I asked for a road system around the property that I can build. Um, and they all, okay I, like, I, I, I aim for the, the moon, okay. figuring okay. I'd settle somewhere in the middle. Right. Yeah. Um, but I got, I got most of what I was, was looking wow. for. And like I said, they were a little apprehensive. They're like, man, this guy wants to go do a bunch of stuff. We don't want him doing like clearing out seven acres of, of woods. We like the woods. We don't want to cut the trees. And I'm like, well, we're hunting and we need to cut the trees. So I was able to get a lot of things my way, which, which is the only reason I, I would have purchased property. If, if they weren't going to budge on that sort of thing, then I, I wouldn't be there. Um, so yeah, that uh, we're so, allowed to so log. Yeah, when you're, what, what does it look like when you're negotiating that too? So is that this, uh, did you just attach that to your offer and okay. In order for this offer to go through, it's contingent on you guys agreeing on, you know, us both agreeing on something along these lines. Yes. And how it, how the majority of it played out though, was just back and forth in emails. Okay. Um, me and the, and the main guy there, um, I had my list of 15 things. He came through and go, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. That's just reasonable. Sure. And you can go on down the list. How about we do, you know, four deer blinds is enough, that sort of thing. And you can use tree stands. I'm like, I know I just, I'm aiming high. Right. So all these different things and we just kind of hashed it out. There really was not, um, I cannot think of one thing in my head right now that is like a real thing. I really wish I would have had, mm-hmm. um, if anything, it'd be like digging, a, digging a small pond. There's already a natural waterway that runs through the property. They don't want me digging holes and, and messing with that. I I'm okay. It's my bedding area sanctuary anyways. So I gave a little bit on that, but other than that, I mean, I'm walking out with a forester next week to start cutting. So That's we're, you know, they were able to help me out. And so could you put a water hole in? in? Could you put a 50 gallon water hole in? Yeah, I think so. And okay. that's the sort of thing that it depends on the scale of what you're trying to do. So what I did, you know, being that we draw up these habitat plans for our clients, you know, at the podcast, yeah, I just drew up one of those. And I, I said, here's where I want food plots. Here's where I want my cuts. Here's where we're going to do the trail system and the road system and send it to them. And they were blown away. They're like, nobody ever does anything like this. Like we have to, you know, we might get like a drawing on a napkin or something. And then we have to go, you know, find out the guy cut much, get enough for them. And that is like, but what you did, I'm going to take this in front of our board. We're going to vote on it, all this stuff. I'm like, oh boy, I hope I did that right. And uh, they were very impressed. Um, and I just ended up working to where, the due diligence and the time that I spent and knowing what I know about the woods and how it affects wildlife, you know, the environmentalists, the, the nature conservancy people, the very green people, they're not much different than people like you and I who really want to just take care of the land and see it, you know, beautiful. We, we can align on some yeah. things here, right? Yeah. That was my goal. That was my thought. Which, yeah, I, I've noticed that too with the limited conversations I've had with different people in similar positions that, you know, people you're referring to. And there is way more common ground than what I think maybe diehard hunters think and then diehard, you know, environmentalists think. And 
which is kind of refreshing or it just shows that good habitat is good for everything. Like there yep. more than one thing can win, which is really cool. Um, and I think you were probably the perfect person to buy that type of farm from, you know, with what your skill sets are and then what they're thinking, like they can walk away, like, okay, now this place is actually going to end up being way better than what it was when we bought it. And we know it's going to be managed. So that's that in itself too, I think probably played to your advantage big time to get all those different things. Yeah. You're hundred percent right, Jake. I could, I could quote unquote, talk the talk with them, right? I could understand what they're looking for and trying to do. And then they can understand me when I'm saying, Hey, we need sunlight on the ground. We need to cut some of these trees to help these species that you'd like to protect, to help the forest, to help. So it really, um, it went a lot smoother than I thought it would. And I mean, knock on wood, we're not very far into this journey yet, but, um, the initial chat with, with the gal at the conservancy about getting my woods cut and working with the forester. She knew the forester by first name. She goes, Oh yeah, Keith, I know him. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. We like his plans. It's just, it's all coming together a lot easier and smoother than I thought it would be. Yeah. But I think someone that would have started from ground zero with no base knowledge of what you have, I think it, it probably wouldn't be going as smooth. Sure. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's more of like, well, why can't I do this? Or why can't I, can't I do that? I'm just going to do this anyways. And, and that sort of thing. Um, so I guess when something is enrolled in the easement, you're limiting your customer base on who could, who would want to buy it. Right. That's why it was still for sale. Um, but also it was cheaper than other properties in the area. Say, same, same a hundred grand, a hundred grand less. Wow. So, I mean, so, well, what'd you say? Like a 30% discount? Yeah. Yeah. That, yep. Yep. So you got to buy 30% more ground and you're still basically doing everything you want to do anyhow. Yes. And one cool thing, somebody told me this and I never thought about it this way till after the fact, um, like, like my 15 acres that we talked about on, on trail cam radio, I put five years into that property and, and shot three bucks off it and it's paying off. Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's five years of my life that if I sold that and somebody bulldozed it tomorrow, okay, whatever. I sold it. It's gone. It's not mine anymore. They can do what they want. But this easement to kind of know that my habitat work for the next 40 years will not be able to be screwed with. It's like, it's, it'll never be bulldozed over. It'll never be built on. It's permanent. So it's kind of cool. um, When you think about that, I never had that perspective on it, but that is cool. So is your plan to hold on to this for a really long time? Uh, Kind of from the sounds of it, it seems so. Yeah, it is. Um, really like the area and just want that kind of legacy property. Every other property will not be the same. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of the the home base is kind of the family camp. You know, my family never owned land. Um, Mm -hmm. My wife's family never owned land. So it's like, we're starting a real legacy here and tradition. And I mean, yeah, you could sell it in a couple of years and maybe make some money and then do it somewhere else. and Everybody would be fine. Um, I think this one's going to be long-term and then, and, you know, as we've talked in the past on and off air, I uh, like to keep, you know, buying and rolling, mm-hmm. you know, equity into bigger and bigger farms over my lifetime. Um, but this one is more of a home base, I think. Well, that's cool. I, I, it, I'm sure it's a special place. I, I've not spent any time way up in the UP, but I imagine uh, from the way you're describing, that sounds like a really cool, really cool place. So what, I mean, is there, were you able to put the road in around the farm or what was something that they're like, nope, sorry, I can't do that. Um, no, I haven't done anything yet except for we're building a cabin. So that's my, I've never built anything before. Never been in charge of, uh, 
that sort of project. Your general contractor. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. There's a lot to do with that. And um, so that's been my main focus is trying to get us a spot where we can stay. Otherwise you have to stay in a, a random hotel kind of far away. Um, that sort of thing. So that's kind of my main goal of that. And then logging, get the logging done because everything I want to do, it has to be after the logging anyways. Um, that's my, like one of my biggest things. So, so I'm kind of okay. like, get are the there cabin logs going. of value? Yeah, there are. Um, and there's also a lot that are not very valuable. So yeah. Northern Michigan, um, South of the Mackinac bridge. So the Northern lower peninsula, a lot of hard maple, sugar maple, uh, high, high value in timber. And this has some of it, but not like a full maple property. There's some properties that we walked that were just gorgeous. I mean, sure, you see the dollar fall, signs. fall leaves in there too. Oh, oh yeah. Ridiculously pretty Explosive. up there. Um, so this has a lot of that, but it also has a lot of aspen and, and some yellow birch and some cedar down in the, it's very diverse. It's very diverse. And when I saw that, uh, it really caught my eye. So I'm curious to see what the forester is going to say. We'll probably, we'll probably manage that. I think it's like 30 acres of maple. We'll probably manage that stand in its own, I think they call them stands. Um, probably manage that for timber value over time and the rest, unless, you know, probably more of a pulp woodcut, um, that sort of thing. Oh, there's a lot of beach too. And beach isn't really that great for, for timber value. So I'd rather have the wildlife value. You know, I'd rather have the deer bedding in it, the, the wild, the bear, the grouse, everything, um, for that. So I think it's going to be a pretty interesting myriad of habitat diversity across the 70 acres by the time we're, we're done with it. Um, mm-hmm. But we walk some properties that, like I said, like 150 acres of pure silver maple or sugar maple. It's like, it's gorgeous. And there's a lot of money to be cut every 10 years. You just keep going and going and going. So that's still on my mind too, if I find another piece up that way um, mm-hmm. for, for more of a, an investment type thing. Yeah. that's. <clears throat> but were you, it, with the easement you have there, the conservation easement, are you able to put in that road you wanted all the way around the farm? Oh, sorry. Yes. I dodged your question there. Um, <laughs> I am able to do that. The only thing that they kind of push back on was, so there's a waterway that runs through the middle of the property and it's, it's the beginning of a, of a river. It's a headwaters. It's, it's only like two foot wide. Um, it's a very, very beginning of a long Creek turns into a river, turns into a lake. And to go across that, they want me to put in like, a special sort of bridge or like a walk, like a, like a walking path, like a dock, like oh, wow. expensive type infrastructure. That was their main requirement. They're like, we just don't want you mud pitting right through that Creek. I'm like, I get it. I don't want to mud pit through the Creek either with my, you know, my tractor and everything else. So that was the one thing other than that, they're like, yeah, build your road, cut your lane all the way around, um, build your infrastructure. So that I just can't, screw around in the wetland too much. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. Hmm. Let's see. I had some other questions here. Cause I, I mean, as of right now, would you, someone, someone, you know, calls you up and says, Hey, I found this farm similar to what you have. Would you say, Hey man, go for it. It's been a pretty good experience so far. I would. And not all conservancies are the same. Not all easements are the same. One thing unique about ours was it was just recently put into an easement. Uh, so we were, you know, on the front end of being able to maybe negotiate some things, negotiate some things. And I'm not sure if 
one's been on an easement for 40 years, if you can start negotiating that or make amendments to it, I'm sure you can. Anything's possible. Um, and I have another friend of mine down here who bought a piece that's in an easement too. And he's like, big deal. I can't build on it. And the deer he shoots out there are awesome. Yeah. He's like, it's my hunting property. That's what I use it for. So as him and I are both under the impression at this point that it's a solid, it's a solid deal. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to me. We can take a yeah. look at it or Jake, you know, you know what you're looking at. Like it's good to have a couple of opinions on something first. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that 40 page document, I, I hit that with a fine tooth comb before making that offer. Yeah. Here's a fun story. Similar because there's, the people who are diehard deer hunters, like I'm, I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat. Like, Hey, if this is what I'm buying it for and it serves that gold, then you know, yep. that's fine. I don't need to build a house on it. And I'm sure I'll find a buyer that is crazy enough as me. So at least I think yeah. that yeah. I, there was a, a property that was a former landfill, a municipal landfill. And so I went and checked it out and I was like, Oh man. And it was a smaller parcel. It was listed very cheap. And I was going through all this process and like, I saw nothing but potential. But when I was asking the listing agent, I mean, I could tell she did everything she could to figure out what was going on. But I was like, I don't feel like I really have the full scoop. So I'm going to go on, on yeah. an investigative mode. Nice. And so, you know, this old landfill, it was closed. It was decommissioned, I think like in the nineties or something. So it was to the point where there's like early successional growth. There's switchgrass established. Like it was like, wow, there's a lot of, some of the heavy lifting is already done. And right. then I was going through there and then I was like, well, do you have the report from the EPA? Cause I have to go out and inspect it. So I got that and it was not good. <laughs> so, oh, really? yeah. So it was actually bought on a tax sale for like a thousand dollars recently. So it was bought by a tax sale. And so I'm sure they bought it basically sight unseen or without any level of due diligence as a gamble. And then I called the local EPA guy. That's the, the guy. And I was like, what? Okay. So if, if it is, um, not doing well, or it is not within the parameters of where it needs to be. Like how much would it cost to get that fixed? And I'm like, are we talking 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, hundred thousand? He's like, he started laughing and he's like, ah, honestly, probably in the seven figures to get that place to where it needs to go. Wow. And I'm like, Oh my God. Well, that, that that's an easy decision now. <laughs> like that's yeah, a definite yeah. no, but it's, yep. but I guess, uh, the importance of going through and doing your own homework when you did your homework, it worked out really well. This one has saved, saved myself from a headache. But I asked him, I was like, if, if this place has been in um, violation for 20 years, how come no one's gotten in trouble? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. It's the government. What do you want me to tell you? So, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why do you guys care now? You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, you, that's the beautiful thing about going and, and finding these different parcels and doing homework on them is you learn something every single time, guaranteed. And so I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think the fact that people just, um, you know, don't want to do the extra work sometimes. It really just what it comes down to. Um, yeah. Or they're easy and, or easily intimidated. They read landfill yeah, or, you don't techno, know. You don't or na natural conservancy. Like, nope. But it's, you know, people like yourself are rewarded to go down and do more, more, do, do more homework. Yeah, no, exactly. And, um, Find out after the fact by talking to some neighbors and this and that, like the deer hunt is not too shabby in the area too. So it's yeah. kind of, yeah, it's cool. all, I think it's going to work out great by the time we get it, get it going and, and really, you know, turn into a really cool family property. How far is it roughly for you from your house to there? Is it too far. Hours? It's yeah. three and a half hour one way. That's a poke, but it's not like six hours. That's the only silver lining. Of that. No, it's, um, it's not bad. I've been driving. Uh, I've, your sales, sales yeah yeah you, it's a 
yeah. Don't matter to me. Throw a podcast on, throw the land podcast on. I'd love listening. Yeah. I appreciate and I just it. cruise up, I mean, just cruise up north and or make phone calls, you know, and work. And um that way if you're if you're up there, you're up there. There's no there's no I'm gonna run home quick and worry about this at home. We're kind of you're kind of unplugging, you're kind of making the commitment to go. And I have no problem driving for for hunting or fishing or fun stuff like that. So um it is a it is a little far, but uh well, that's, that was the point. That was it's almost yeah. by design. It's going up it north, gorgeous. like you said. Yep. When you go up there, up. Oh, sorry, I'll get back to you when I'm when I'm back. And so exactly, yeah. That's that is a great point because during deer season, in in the brunt of things, I'm like, I gotta go back to my computer. I gotta get this done real quick and bust out. Where like when you go on a trip, it's like, ah, sorry. Like, is is this really that pressing? Yes, no. Okay, <laughs> and then move on. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like me, you know, you're an entrepreneur, a lot of things going on. It's like, you always want to have your fingers on the tabs and, and just be aware and, and alert on what's going on. It's like, sometimes it's good to just set the phone down and no service for a weekend and, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not too bad of a drive. It's really not. We can go up the highway, go about 85. It makes it go by pretty quick. So right on. So talk a little bit about your, your plan for 15, man. You got that place tuned up shooting giants. What's next for that? I've gone back and forth so many times. Maybe you can help me. We, I mean, we even <laughs> talked about it on the last time I was on this podcast. We so. what I was going to do with it. Um, I was so close to selling it and, and getting the next thing. And then I, you know, the plan came together so perfectly last year on two really nice bucks with my bow, like two weeks apart. And I was like, well, that's a that's good special. reason not to sell it. It's very special. And it's, but it's also, I mean, it would only help sell it, right? right. Two. Um, so my thought at this time, cause I'm still looking, always looking is if I find something else, I'll probably try to, to buy it and do a reverse time. Um, I don't want to have to redo all the five years of work. I enjoy doing it though. So I'm okay with it. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a well-oiled machine just sitting there and you hop on and ride it. Right. But at the same time, you're never going to get to that 500 acre mark if you just don't make moves. Mm-hmm. You sit on the 15. Uh, my neighbors aren't going to sell to me. I've already asked them all three times. Um, so it's kind of like, what's your end goal? What yeah. do you really, what do you really want? Can I sit there and shoot deer on the same property for the next 20 years? Sure, a lot of guys do do that. Um, I just don't know if that's what I'll do. I'll probably end up getting rid of it and moving on to something bigger. Yeah. The one thing, yeah, that's, that is a really tough one because it's not necessarily not costing me much money. It's 15 that's acres. The thing. Yeah. That's, that's the thought. And it's really well, I mean, to go shoot two big bucks yeah, within that time frame in any state and any place is special, let alone Michigan on a parcel right. of that size. So yeah, that's, that's really tough. I, I, the right thing will come along and it'll make sense at the right time. Until then I'd say, just keep on enjoying it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to your point, if, something doesn't come along and you sell it to take advantage of the high market right now, then I don't have anything to buy. And then capital gains hits you harder. Um, and again, it's only 15. So it's not like capital gains is extremely a ton, but mm-hmm. I want to be able to roll that equity into something bigger and better. And, and it might be in Illinois, you know, it might be in, in um, Southern Ohio, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, yeah, I guess I'll just wait for the right opportunity or, or the right, the right sign because right now I'm just, I'm not, ready to sell it. And I have one more thing, the reason I'm not selling it. So we planted apple trees the first year I bought it with my girls and they were like, I don't know, two foot tall at that time. They were 
Well, let's see, they were they're eight now, so they were three. And we still haven't gotten an apple off those trees yet. So I'm waiting till I get a dang apple off those trees before I sell that property. That's that's a good, I feel like it's a really good lesson too. Cause I remember as a kid planting trees uh with my parents and like it's gonna be how long until they're tall? It's gonna be how long mm-hmm. until they, you know, block the wind. And yep. at that time, it feels like an eternity. And now when I drive by and look at those trees and they're 30 feet tall, I'm like, oh, wow. I remember helping, I put in air quotes, <laughs> put those yeah, trees yeah. in. And so I think uh, it gives a perspective like, well, it when you, like to you, those five years probably went by lightning fast. To it them, was. it feels like an eternity. So I think this is kind of a cool little lesson that we'll get to eat some apples from the apple trees you guys planted. Yeah. And I just want, I want that moment. I want those pictures, you know, mm-hmm. from reaping the reward and then then after that you know i'll be fulfilled i guess okay well i'm excited for you man because i think the the because right now where i'm at with i'm i'm falling behind man i don't have a head i haven't i had all these plans and i don't I haven't had the time to go in and do a lot of the work that i want to so um and that's the thing like you don't get the apples off the apple tree if you don't actually put them in the ground and i think uh you know the rubber met the road for you and and to see those uh see that come to fruition and things go the way you planned has got to be so darn rewarding. Yeah. Thank you. It it truly is. Um, you know, two, two bucks tag, taking out in Michigan. One thing on, on is one thing on nice deer, um, for anybody, I've only done it like one other time and they were smaller deer when I was younger. Um, so first of all that, and then just have it on your own piece and have it be a small piece and that small piece, you know, be covered in pressure and, and everything else. It just goes to show that the hard work and the and the habitat planning does pay off. You can improve your place with hard work. You mm-hmm. can make it better. So that's what's, it's just a testament to what we always talk about and do. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that I was able to do that on my own piece, you know? So it's, it's, it's neat. So yeah, you, you better get some trees in the ground sooner than later. And I got everything you. else that and get your woods logged. Do it quick. You know? Yeah, I, I have uh you're going to laugh. I have 1100 shrubs. I'm going to be, awesome. I'm going to be putting in the ground here. Like hopefully I'll chip away and put some in Sunday, but uh, yeah, my, that's a lot, dude. That's a I, lot. Yeah. That was really dumb of me to order that many. <laughs> that was so, that was a lot so of guys will bite off smaller chunks than that at a time. My friend Corey though, he's uh same as you. He did 1500 one year. He did 1500 more this year. I was out there helping him a couple of weeks ago and, uh-huh. You want results though. You got to plan. There's no, yeah. There's no cover. There's no cover. There's okay. no, there's no browse. So it's like, well, what's the quickest way to get something going. And you know, when you buy them through the, uh, the, the state, they're pretty darn cheap relative, uh, yeah. to, to what you get. And I was like, well, man, this, I know how much a food plot costs after you use equipment and everything else. It's like, man, this is really not that expensive and in, in perspective to, to what is, to how much other types of food cost. Exactly. And same with using a chainsaw in your woods, right? Like you said, you're lacking yeah. cover. So it's, it's the same thing. Um, if you go through like a conservation district and get a, oh, yeah. what'd you end up buying? Uh, let me pull my order. I got all sorts of good stuff. Uh, one. Nice. So I got, uh, off the top of my head, I got uh, red dogwood, silky dogwood, gray dogwood. I got, man, I just had, okay. Okay. And then I have fragrant sumac, got some hazelnut. I got some black chokeberry and awesome. I think that's, and I got some white pine. I'm probably going to throw in for uh, one spot for screening, but I kind of wish I would have bought cedars. State didn't have cedars and the white pines were uh, $35 for a hundred bundle for a bundle of hundreds. So I was like, oh, that's, wow. that's pretty cheap. That's yeah. Cheap. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I don't know if, in, 
I think you can pay for shipping, but even just the bundle of a hundred uh, red dogwood was $35. Like it was really cheap. So they're big yeah. bundles for 35 bucks. And are all these, um, are they all like bare root or are they bare, come? They're bare root. Yeah, they're bare root. But honestly, some of these ones are really impressive plants for what you're getting. Yeah. I think they're not like just little 18 inch ones. Yeah. Some of them are, I bet you some of them are five foot tall already. Like some of the red dogs. Wow. And I'm like, wow, this is, wow. I feel like I got a really good deal with this. So have, yeah. do you have any suggestions on buying shrubs or have you gone through any sort of, in like a, a state agency or nonprofit or anything like that to buy some? I've done about everything you should and should not do when it comes to habitat work. Um, shrubs and, and tree planting, protect them if you can yeah. with tubes or however you can protect them. Um, but I'm just the way I'm wired. I'm more of a numbers guy. I'm going to go plant 1100 and hope that three quarters of them survive. And I probably won't put a tube on every one of them and, mm -hmm. and this whole different thing um, where you could probably plant 250 and spend five times the amount of time on each shrub and have a better rate. Um, there's just so much that can go wrong with trees and shrubs in terms of mother nature, whether it's a drought, whether a deer comes and nips the top of the pine, the white pine off at the, at the mm -hmm. head cap there, whether a raccoon digs it up, whatever a mouse chews on it after it's been planted there for three years, there's just so much against you that um, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I like how you did the heavy, volume there because they're going to get browsed the hell, I know. Now. Yeah, yeah yeah well that's okay though because some of the shrubs can handle that and when they get browsed they become more of a bush yep. they kind of grow out and uh that's what you're looking for is your cover so do so, you have any other do you have any other tips before i break ground with a shovel and plant a gazillion shrubs uh do you have a dibble bar no that was yeah i'm glad you brought that up i bought a spade but i need to probably buy one of those the dibble yeah, d-i-b-b-l-e yeah, I yeah, I've used a spade. It works pretty good. Um, but yeah, if you can just shove it in the ground, open a crack in the ground, you know, pull your shovel, your double bar to the side, and then put the plant in there and let it close back up with your foot, mm -hmm. you're gonna be able to move and do it quick. Yeah. Um that's why I don't that's why I like bare root. And if you can get them cheap, great. Then you just like like I said, go, go by the numbers, plant a bunch of them and see what happens. Did you plant a lot um, of shrubs on your Michigan 15? I did not. No, nope. I did uh, mainly trees. Mm -hmm. And then I did uh, a lot of uh, chainsaw work. Okay. So the shrubs that I'm getting are young, early successional growth, whatever is native in the food bank there has, has come up. Um, but a lot of our clients that we talk to, I do recommend a lot of shrubs. There's so many good shrubs out there. And, you know, like you said, the choke berries and the service berries and the dogwood, all this. And they're they're healthy. I mean, we work a lot with um, Morris Nursery and, and there's a lot of those look very healthy and it's all deer food and it's covered. I mean, you're just the more diverse and the more cover and food you can add to your place, the better it's going to be. So, um, yeah, cedars. I do like cedars. A lot of guys kind of go back and forth on cedars because right. um, cedar apple rust, you can get some some cedar apple rust on your apple trees. But then, then again, they make a lot of apple trees that don't get affected by that. Um, cedars are fast growing. I'd plant cedars too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have no problem planting. A lot of guys out your way and even further hate them because they, they take over to. and it comes to monoculture, but that could be said about anything. Yeah, really. for sure. It's funny because where I'm at, I do have some natural cedars popping up and really, you know, where I'm at is kind of some old prairie. And so okay. that's one of the indications that there's, you know, that, that it is an old prairie. And then you look at 
uh, when I fly my drone on my, at my house and I can see the timber, all the timber to the other direction, there's no cedars. So like, it's cool to see the remnant prairie of like, okay, this is where, right. this, this is where the cedars are. But wherever I walk a farm around here and I see cedars, I'm like, oh, there's big deer here. <laughs> so yep. it's kind of yep. like, well, why wouldn't you plant cedars? And that's where you usually find, uh, you know, big deer to end up hanging out. So, but it, Illinois did not sell any of those. I think Missouri had them on their website and Iowa had them on their website. So I think that'll probably be a next year thing. Cause I got my hands full with more than like, there's no, no, <laughs> no more, no more <laughs> draw the line. <laughs> for you remember now. that intern you were talking about teach them how to use a, a double bar. <laughs> That's a good idea. We'll make some content around it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not good for you. I like what you're doing with it. I think, um, Oh, there was a thought I had there. It left me. It'll come back, but that happens. That happens all too often with myself. I'll be in the middle, middle of a thought. Nope. That's gone forever. I got it. I was going to ask how your prescribed fire is looking. Oh, good, man. Yeah. So, um, actually last night we were taking pictures. There was a bunch of deer browsing in the, in the fresh burn. So part of about half of it, I actually sprayed with glyphosate and 2,4 D and I'm converting that to, to food plots. So knocked back a lot of the old, you know, cool season grasses. And so I burned, ended up burning about half the farm, honestly. So, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'll probably burn the other half next, uh, next spring. And then right now it's just, uh, I'm going to spray this fall regardless for honeysuckle and then all the cool season grasses and then just keep on top of it and then try to encourage some sort of warm season uh, grasses and bulbs. But man, I tell you what, I, I've loved deer hunting for so long, but like, this is just, it, it is so fun going down the rabbit hole of learning all these different things. When I walk in, in the timber or a ground, I like, I can, acknowledge so many more trees, so many more shrubs, so many more flowers, so many more everything. And, uh, it's really cool. I don't want to sound all granola, but man, it just gives you, a, <laughs> it, it gives you a new appreciation of land and, and, and good habitat. And then when I drive now and I'm there is, you know, like the, there's tree of heaven everywhere. There's honeysuckle everywhere. There's the Bradford Perry. We were like, someone needs to acknowledge this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I've lived my whole life, not knowing anything about it. It's oblivious. No, it's, oblivious. I, it's I love it. it it's just, it adds some woodsmanship to you too. You know, when you're, 100%. if you're out in Kansas, you're out in Iowa, you're hunting and you're on some public ground or something. Now you know what you're looking at. Now you know what to avoid. Now you know, okay, do you like this? Do you don't like this? This and that. And all, and Mark, Mark Kenyon said it recently in one of his podcasts, awesome metaphor. He's like, before you go down the habitat hole, it's like you're out fishing without polarized sunglasses. Right. Yeah. And then once you're kind of where we're at now, uh, you, you, you have the shades on, you can see everything under there. You can, it's like, that's the difference. That's when I walk in the woods now, I don't even remember what I used to think, but it's way different now than it's than thick, what it used to be. you know, like, yeah, it's those general, yeah, it's, it's thick, thick. it's nasty. General. And that was it. And I remember walking a piece of, actually walking a piece of public two years ago and seeing, and I was like, what is this plant? It was everywhere. And there's a really good sign. And then now after learning, I was like, that's red dogwood. And that's why it was absolutely just tore up in there. And, I haven't been back there since because it's a long ways away, but it's like, <laughs> if, if I would have known that then I would have just not realized it was just, you know, quote unquote thick. So it's like, I think, I think people get a bad rap of like, Oh, you're a private land guy. Well, by learning how to improve my ground, I am improving woodsmanship regardless of where I go. Like you mentioned. So, yep. I think anybody can take these skills of just better, you know, flora and fauna identification out with them into the woods. Um, no matter where you're hunting public, private lease, anything um just another way to skin the cat you know yeah for sure well i i've really i mean i've i've enjoyed it so much and i have so much to learn and, and and i'm thankful for people like yourself and thankful for people you talk to on different platforms and whew, it's just 
there's, there's just a lot of stuff to learn. And that has me, I love learning. So that has me pumped. Amen. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Cool. Well, um, anything else here? I want to say congratulations on the new 70. I'm excited to listen and follow along how that goes. I think people should have a better understanding. I learned a lot here today myself on how to handle some of those things. I didn't know you could really go up and politic for, for what you're aiming for. And that's, that's huge. You don't ask, you don't get in life. Right. So I yep. thought, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? They'll tell me no and, and move on and ended up forming into something, something pretty cool. And uh, who knows, maybe there'll be some sort of partnership with conservancies in the future that I can offer. I have no idea, but um, yeah, it's, it's thanks for, for, for that and for following along. Once I get the logging done this winter, it's going to be go time. So I don't want to go in there now and do a bunch of stuff all summer. Then they come in and drop a bunch of trees on top of it. I'm going to wait till that's done. But once that's done, it's going to be go time out there. That's exciting. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to carve out about an hour of your busy schedule. Where can people follow more of what you guys are doing? I know you guys are, get to podcasts Wednesdays and then a uh, YouTube channel as well. So take it from there. Thank you, Jake. No, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll always make time for you. I'll make, I'll make sure we do it a lot quicker next time too. No, um, no, no worries at all. Yeah, it's, it's a busy time of year. We are at habitatpodcast.com. That is the podcast. We're up to almost 200 episodes. Been doing that for about five years now. All free information, hundreds of hours talking to people like you to guys like me to guys like Mark Drury and Dan Infault, whomever. We have a bunch of different guests on there. Um, habitatpodcast.com has it all. We have a YouTube on there. Brian does a heck of a job with our YouTube um, that's Habitat Podcast on YouTube. And then a uh, new venture we started recently is called the Vitalized Seed. That's vitalizedseed.com. Um, spring and fall food plots, free shipping, ship right to your door, that whole thing. So uh, we, we're going after diversity and plant diversity and, and like soil health, along with all the things about big deer that we like to, to go after, you know, better health and, and good forage quality, that whole thing. So yeah, man, that's where you can find us. Um, love it if you came over and listened and continue some people your way too awesome man I, I really appreciate it look forward to following along till next time there you guys have it hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of jared if you did if you learned something share it with a friend leave a written review that would really help us out and be sure to take advantage of that campaign we have going on with exodus the seven year anniversary use the code year seven save 20 percent off any exodus render or render bundle a great way to show support for this podcast or the exodus podcast or the brand in general that's how we keep the lights on here so hope you guys have a great week until next time see you